Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Thanks to Clutter for supporting Muller, she wrote. When it comes to making life easier, Clutter is the undefeated champ. Their on-demand experience takes the self out of self-storage. Clutter has a great sign-up bonus. Get $50 off your first month when you sign up at clutter.com ag and use code ag at checkout. And thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting Muller, she wrote. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses can connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash AG. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote, and our special coverage of the Redacted Mueller Report. I'm your host, A.G., and with me, as always, are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. How you guys doing? Good, good. Good. Sweet. Yes. All right, today we're going to cover Volume 2, Sections I and J, pages 113 to 133. So pause and read. Okay, welcome back. Um, So Section I covers Trump ordering McGahn to deny that he tried to fire Mueller. And Section J is about Trump's conduct toward Flynn, Manafort, and a redacted name, which I believe to be Roger Stone, because it's redacted for harm to an ongoing matter. And Stone's trial doesn't begin until November 5th. And right now we're in the September 12th timeframe of 2019. So just so you know, when you're listening 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. and when we're on some MSNBC documentary, you have the dates. Yes, we're two months away now from his trial. Yes. So let's kick this off with the evidence that Trump directed McGahn to lie about his attempts to fire Mueller with Section uh, I of the evidence on page 113, beginning with the press reporting um, that, uh, you know, Trump tried to fire the special counsel. That's subsection one. And on January 25th, 2018, the New York Times reported that in June 2017, the president ordered McGahn to have the Department of Justice fire Mueller. According to the article, quote, amid the first wave of news media reports that Mr. Mueller was examining the possible obstruction case, the president began to argue that Mr. Mueller had three conflicts of interest that disqualified him from overseeing the investigation, unquote. The article further reported that after receiving the president's order to fire Mr. Mueller, White House counsel Don McGahn refused to ask the Justice Department to dismiss the special counsel, saying he would quit instead. Uh, The article stated that the president ultimately backed down after the White House counsel threatened to resign rather than carry out the directive. And Trump dismissed that news as fake. (laughs) That's one way to put it. (laughs) Trump dismissed that news as fake. I love Mueller. He's like, "Mm, I take your question. (laughs) 
Trump said it was fake. <laughs> the next day, the Washington Post reported on the same stuff, but they added that McGahn had n- uh, not told the president directly that he intended to resign rather than carry out the directive to have special counsel terminated. In that respect, the Post story clarified the time story, which could be read to suggest that McGahn had told the president of his intention to quit, causing the president to back down from the order to have special counsel fired. So those are the two conflicting stories from the Times and the Post. Uh, On to subsection two about Trump trying to have McGahn publicly dispute the press reports, both of them. (laughs) On January 26th, 2018, the president's personal lawyer called McGahn's attorney and said that the president wanted McGahn to put out a statement denying he had been asked to fire Mueller and that he threatened to quit in protest. McGahn's attorney um, spoke to McGahn and then called Trump's lawyer back to say he wasn't going to do that because the time story was accurate. Oh, my God. Hicks recalled telling Trump that one of his attorneys had spoken to McGahn's attorney about the issue. So Hope Hicks backed that up, um, that, you know, they'd spoken about the reporting. And McGahn told her the article was accurate and he was going to refute it. So now we've got a couple people saying that McGahn said the New York Times article was correct. Mm-hmm. The following week... Priebus appeared on Meet the Press and said he didn't recall Trump ever saying he wanted to fire Mueller. Trump called him up and told him, good job, uh, (laughs) and that I never said any of those things about special counsel. Um, February 5th, 2018, Trump complained about the Times article to Rob Porter, saying the article was bullshit. Uh, Trump said that McGahn, it says that in the report, bullshit. Uh, That's not my little, you know, flair. Trump said that McGahn leaked to the media to make himself look good. The president then directed Porter to tell McGahn to create a record to make it clear that the president never directed McGahn to fire the special counsel. Porter thought the matter should be handled by the White House Communications Office, but the president said he wanted McGahn to write a letter to the file for our records and wanted something beyond a press statement to demonstrate that the reporting was inaccurate. The president referred to McGahn as a lying bastard and said that he wanted a record from him. Porter recalled Trump saying something to the effect of, if he doesn't write the letter, maybe I have to let him go. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the report, of course, it's been confirmed he 100 percent asked McGahn to fire Mueller. Yes. But oh he didn't God. use the word fire. And we'll get into that. <sighs> the next day, February 6th, Kelly scheduled time for McGahn to meet with him and the president in the Oval Office to discuss the Times article. Uh, the morning of the meeting, the president's personal counsel called McGahn's attorney and said the president was going to be speaking with McGahn and McGahn could not resign no matter what happened in the meeting. Weird. Mm-hmm. And then the president began the Oval Office meeting by telling McGahn that the New York Times story didn't look good. Uh, not that it was fake. <laughs> it just didn't look good. It's like, I'm not a freaking reporter, dude. Take it up with them. <laughs> and McGahn needed to correct it. McGahn called the, uh, recalled the president said, I never said to fire Mueller. I never said fire. The story doesn't look good. You need to correct this. You're the White House counsel. And in response, McGahn acknowledged that he had not told Trump directly that he planned to resign, but that the story was otherwise accurate. Um, So now McGahn is refuting the New York Times report that he told Trump directly he was going to resign, but he didn't tell him that directly. The president, but the president did say, uh, have his lawyer call McGahn and say, no matter what, he can't resign during this meeting. So the president asked McGahn, did I say the word fire? (laughs) And McGahn responded, what you said was, call Rod Rosenstein, tell Rod that Mueller has conflicts and can't be the special counsel. The president responded, I never said that. Trump then said he merely wanted McGahn to raise the conflicts issues with Rosenstein and leave it to him to decide what to do. McGahn told the president he did not understand the conversation that way. And instead, he heard, call Rod, there's conflicts, Mueller has to go. (laughs) The president asked McGahn whether he would do a correction. And McGahn said no. And McGahn thought the president was testing his mettle to see how, you know, committed McGahn was to what happened. Kelly described the meeting as a little tense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a little tense. 
Um, the president also asked McGahn. Uh, sorry, I just had a little tense view of my head. You know how dudes pitch a tent? Uh-huh. Oh, like yeah. camping is intense. Like, yeah. yeah, that kind of pun. That's cute. I love that stuff. <laughs> little tense. <laughs> the president also asked McGahn why he told Mueller's team that the president had told him to have the special counsel removed. McGahn responded he had to. And that his conversations with the president were not protected by attorney-client privilege. The president then asked, what about these notes? Why do you take notes? Lawyers don't take notes. I've never had a lawyer who (laughs) took notes. (laughs) That's shady as fuck. Only voice recordings. And McGahn McGahn responded that he keeps notes because he's a real lawyer and explained that notes create a record and they're not a bad thing. The president then said, I've got a lot of great lawyers like Roy Cohn. He didn't take notes. He was totally disbarred. Uh, after <laughs> after the Oval Office meeting uh, concluded, Kelly recalled McGahn telling him that he and Trump did have that conversation. McGahn recalled that Kelly said that he pointed out to that to the president after the Oval Office that McGahn had not backed down and would not budge following the meeting. And Trump's lawyer uh, then right after the meeting called um, McGahn's lawyer. Trump's lawyer called McGahn's lawyer and relayed that the president was fine <laughs> with McGahn. Uh, so that is sort of the the evidence about this whole creating a false document, um, you know, pressuring McGahn and McGahn was going to quit. Mm-hmm. And but apparently what he's establishing here is that McGahn didn't directly tell the president he was going to resign because of this. But the president knew. Uh, and I think we'll find that out when we go over the analysis of the evidence mm-hmm. as soon as we're back uh, from a quick word uh, from our sponsor. Whether you're getting ready to move, spring cleaning, or Marie condoing your life, uh, which I'm doing because summer is now over, you're probably a lot like me. You're looking to free up a lot of valuable space. I do not like clutter. So self-storage is always an option. But uh, what if there was a way to store your stuff without breaking your back, moving stuff, trying to remember where it all is, or spending a fortune on it? And that's where clutter comes in. Uh, clutter is the world's largest on-demand storage provider. And I'm all about convenience. You you know this about me by now. I don't think I'm lazy. I'm an efficiency enthusiast. And when it comes to making my life easier, clutter is really the best. So uh, finding an affordable place to stash your things has never been simpler so you can just sit back relax and let clutter do the heavy lifting so here's how it works for a low monthly rate clutter will schedule a pickup time they'll show up they'll pack your stuff they'll move your stuff to storage they'll keep a photo inventory so you can see exactly what you have in storage and if you ever need to retrieve anything you don't have to drive down there uh, to your storage locker you don't have to dig through all your stuff hoping it's there because you have that photo inventory you know exactly where it is and you can just contact clutter and they'll deliver it right to your door in 48 hours or less and that's part of your monthly fee you don't pay for packing you don't pay for delivery and they have a price match guarantee so you'll always get the lowest storage rate, which is awesome. Clutter is the world's largest full-service on-demand storage experience, and they do all the work for you. So stop wasting time, stop wasting money, and uh, stop vetting storage facilities and experience the future of storage with Clutter. And they have a great sign-up bonus for our listeners. Get $50 off your first month when you sign up at clutter.com AG. That's on top of Clutter's already no-hassle-moving online inventory management, free pickup and delivery, price match guarantee, everything. It's on top of that. So see why Clutter is better and get $50 off your first month at clutter.com slash ag you'll be glad you did okay welcome back let's check out Mueller's analysis on this you know trying to get McGann to lie mm-hmm. <clears throat> create a false document for the record for the file the trifecta evaluation yes nice this is it uh, and I have a feeling he's going to check all three boxes on this. Uh, so first we have... <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> you? You wrote the script. <laughs> uh, I did write it. Uh, but but I, I did have a feeling. Have a feeling. I, know. 
I swear I had a feeling. <laughs> I, it's like, I wag it. I'm not going to watch Titanic. No spoiler alerts, but I know what happens at the yeah. end. <laughs> so the obstructive act, the president's repeated efforts to get McGahn to create a record denying the president had directed him to fire Mueller would qualify as an obstructive act if it had the natural tendency to constrain McGahn from testifying truthfully or to undermine his credibility as a potential witness if he testified uh, consistently with his memory rather than what the record said. Mueller says there is some evidence that when the New York Times and Washington Post published those stories, the president believed the stories were wrong and that he never told McGahn to have Rosenstein remove the special counsel. There's some evidence of that. The president correctly understood that McGahn had not told the president directly that he planned to resign. In addition, the president told Priebus and Porter that he had not sought to terminate special counsel. And in the Oval Office meeting with McGahn, the president said, I never said to fire Mueller. I never said fire. That evidence could indicate the president was not attempting to persuade McGahn to change his story, but was instead offering his own but different recollection of the substance of the June 2017 conversations with McGahn and McGahn's reaction to them. But other evidence cuts against that understanding of Trump's conduct. As previously described, substantial evidence supports McGahn's account that the president directed him to have the special counsel removed, including the timing and context of the president's directive, the manner in which McGahn reacted, and the fact that the president had been told the conflicts of interest were uh, insubstantial, uh, were being considered by the Department of Justice and should be raised with the president's personal counsel rather than McGahn. In addition, the president's subsequent denials that he told McGahn to have special counsel removed were carefully worded. When first asked about the New York Times story, the president said fake news, fake news, folks, a typical New York Times fake story. (laughs) And when the president spoke with McGahn in the Oval Office, he focused on whether he used the word fire, saying, I never said to fire Mueller. I never said fire. Did I say the word fire? The president's assertion in the Oval Office meeting that he never directed McGahn to have the special counsel removed thus runs counter to the evidence. So Trump lied to cover his ass. Mm -hmm. That's not in the report, but that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. In addition, even Trump sincerely disagreed with McGahn's memory. Excuse me. In addition, even if Trump sincerely disagreed with McGahn's memory about the June 17, 2017 events, the evidence indicates that the president knew by the time of the Oval Office meeting that McGahn's account differed, McGahn's account differed, and that McCann, McGahn was firm in his views. So he knew that before the meeting. Shortly after the story broke, Trump's lawyer told McGahn's lawyer that pres- the president wanted McGahn to make a statement denying he'd been asked to fire special counsel. But McGahn responded through his counsel, saying the, that aspect of the story was accurate and therefore he could not comply. The president then directed Huckabee Sanders to tell McGahn to correct the story, but McGahn told her he would not do so because the story was accurate um, on the president's order. And consistent with that position, McGahn never issued a correction. More than a week later, the president brought the issue up again with Rob Porter, made comments indicating the president thought McGahn had leaked the story, and uh, and directed Porter to have McGahn create a false record denying the president tried to fire Mueller. And at that point, the president said he might have to get rid of McGahn if McGahn did not comply. Oops. (laughs) McGahn again refused to uh, and told Porter, uh, as he told Sanders and his counsel, uh, what he told the president's counsel, which is the president had, in fact, ordered him to have Rosenstein remove special counsel. That evidence indicates by the time of the Oval Office meeting, the president was aware that McGahn did not think the time story was false and that he did not want to issue a statement of correction or create a written record denying facts McGahn believed to be true. The president nevertheless persisted. <laughs> I think that's on purpose and I love you for it. 
the president nevertheless persisted and asked McGahn to repudiate the facts that McGahn had repeatedly said were accurate. So what I think Mueller is getting at here is that even if Trump didn't remember telling McGahn to fire special counsel, the evidence shows by the time he had the Oval Office meeting, he knew McGahn wouldn't refute the time story, but asked him to refute it anyhow, thereby creating a false record. And that checks the obstructive act box, in mm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Yeah. Check. <laughs> On to Nexus, to an official proceeding. By January 2018, special counsel's use of grand jury had been further confirmed by the return of several indictments. So by now we've got not just a grand jury, but indictments. The president was also aware of the special counsel investigating obstruction-related events because, among other reasons, on January 8th, 2018... Mueller's office provided his Trump's lawyers with a detailed list of topics for a possible interview with the president. And the president knew that McGahn had personal knowledge of many of the events the special counsel was investigating. And McGahn had already been interviewed by special counsel investigators. And this is big here. And the in the Oval Office meeting, the president indicated he knew that McGahn had told the special counsel's office about the president's efforts to remove the special counsel. And so when you're doing a nexus to a, a proceeding, you have to know that there's a proceeding. And in the Oval Office meeting, he said, I know you're talking to special counsel. Mm -hmm. So he knew. Yeah. The president challenged McGahn for disclosing that information to, to Mueller and for taking notes that he viewed as creating unnecessary legal exposure. That evidence indicates the president's awareness that the June you know, 2017 events were relevant to the special counsel's investigation and any grand jury investigation that might grow out of it. So that's pretty straightforward. The evidence indicates we can check the nexus box. Yep. And then Mueller says to establish a nexus, it would be necessary to show the president's actions would have the natural tendency to affect such a proceeding that, you know, it would hinder, delay or prevent the communication of information to law enforcement. And because McGahn had spoken to special counsels before, excuse me, because McGahn had spoken to the special counsel's office uh, before January 2018, the president could not have been seeking to influence his prior statements. But because McGahn had repeatedly spoken to investigators and the obstruction inquiry was not complete, it was foreseeable that he would be interviewed again on obstruction related topics. And if the president were focused solely on a press strategy um, seeking to have McGahn refute the New York Times article, a nexus to a proceeding or to further investigate uh, or to further investigative interviews would not be shown. But the president's efforts to have McGahn write a letter for our records approximately 10 days after the stories came out, well past the typical time to issue a correction for a news story, indicates the president was not focused solely on a press strategy, but instead likely contemplated the ongoing investigation and any proceedings arising from it. <laughs> Busted. Yeah, this is nice. Just hearing it all laid out. Yeah. I love uh, it. And then there's intent. And and he just he opens up saying substantial evidence indicates that, <laughs> that in repeatedly urging McGahn to dispute that he was ordered to have Mueller fired, the president acted for the purpose of influencing McGahn's account in order to deflect or prevent further scrutiny of the president's conduct toward the investigation. Boom. Uh, several facts support that conclusion. Uh, Mueller says Trump made repeated attempts to get McGahn to change his story. As described above, by the time of the last attempt, the evidence suggests the president had been told on multiple occasions that McGahn believed the president had ordered him to fire Mueller. McGahn interpreted his encounter with the president in the Oval Office back in June 2017 as an attempt to test his mettle and see how, oh no, this is the more current Oval Office meeting um, that was, that you know, he's testing his mettle and to see how committed he was to his memory of what happened. And the president already laid the groundwork for pressing McGahn to alter his account by telling Rob Porter that it might be necessary to fire McGahn. That was a big, dumb mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, and Porter relayed that statement to McGahn. So, oops. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh... Wife beater. Gross. Yeah, it's crazy how he was the voice of reason in this case. A little bit. And yet such a p 
piece of shit. Yeah. Like, I don't want to forget that. Yeah. The Two bar, different women. The bar's real abused. low. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a question about the nexus to a criminal proceeding that I should have asked long ago. <laughs> but is it that they need to establish that there was a nexus to a criminal proceeding or that Trump or whoever the subject is of the charge was aware of the nexus to the criminal proceeding? That his obstructive act uh, was tied to the official proceeding somehow got it right so not not so that the, not the subject's awareness of that fact but just if empirically it was tied but, to well yes because you would have to have knowledge of the official judicial proceeding or the official proceeding in order to have the obstructive act be tied to the okay so proceeding. it is the knowledge part specifically mm-hmm. okay cool yes that makes sense because mm-hmm. in a sense to me that almost that seems to just like beg intent or like entail intent on its own, but then intent is separate. Yeah, and that's a really interesting thing that you bring up because the obstructive act begs the nexus and the nexus begs the intent. Mm-hmm. And they're all intertwined. They And it's weird that some can exist without the others, yeah. but, but they can. Right, because it's all just on do we have actual words on a page mm-hmm. or audio recordings or something that can prove each of these individually. Yeah, and, and intent and knowledge... Uh, go hand in hand and knowledge of a nexus to a a proceeding goes hand in hand with the obstructive act. Mm -hmm. You can't commit an obstructive act unless you know that it somehow ties in. Yeah, it's all, it's like a weird Venn diagram. It is very interesting. Trump's right in the middle. Yeah, yep. (laughs) Additional evidence uh, of Trump's intent, uh, not that we needed more, but Mueller says you could get more evidence uh, from the fact that his counsel was sufficiently alarmed by the prospect of the president's meeting with McGahn. So much so that he called McGahn's counsel and said McGahn could not resign, no matter what happened in the Oval Office that day. And the president's counsel was aware of McGahn's resolve not to issue what he believed to be a false account of events despite the president's request. Finally, as noted above, the president brought up the special counsel investigation in his Oval Office meeting with McGahn and criticized him for telling uh, this office, Mueller's office, about the June 2017 events. So the president's statements reflect his understanding and his displeasure that those events would be part of an obstruction of justice inquiry. So <laughs> it's just all over the place. Displeasure. Displeasure. My presidency is fucked. <laughs> I still love, nevertheless, he persisted. Yeah. That's sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> Isn't yeah. it? I'm like, God, like, if I ever, ever get to have lunch or talk to Mueller one day, or, you know, I don't know who wrote this specific section, but I feel like somebody slid it in there. yeah. Yeah, I want to know who. Yeah, I've heard that phrase two times. Yeah. And this is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. On to page 120, volume two, section two, part J, the president's conduct toward Flynn, Manafort, and redacted. And I'm just going to go out and say 100% beans on that redacted name uh, because, first of all, it's five letters long and it isn't Cohen. And the reason I know it's not Cohen is because of the first sentence in the overview, which reads, in addition to the interactions with McGahn described above, the president has taken other actions directed at possible witnesses in the special counsel's investigation, including Flynn, Manafort, Redacted, and as described in the next section, Cohen. <laughs> so mm. I know it's not Cohen. You don't and... think it's Gates? No, it's Stone. It's definitely Stone. Uh, and that leads me uh, because... Trump didn't really have any public statements about uh, Gates, and yeah. and so I don't. Yeah, I don't think that it's part yeah, of that. Yeah, at least he wouldn't know anything. If he did, he would show it. Yeah, and I think Gates is Gates didn't plead not guilty. He was mm-hmm. cooperating, so I don't mm-hmm. know if that's harm to an ongoing matter or not. Um, yeah, he just has his fingers forcibly in a few different every cases pie. right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
So anyway, all my beans on it being stone. Um, so let's check out the evidence. I, and again, I'm guessing what's behind these redaction bars, but it seems productively logical that yeah do our beans roll over by the way every week <laughs> do our beans roll, roll over, over. Beans. Yeah. roll over beans <laughs> oh we need to make that happen yeah that's funny subsection <laughs> um, so, so one uh underpants one is about the conduct directed at michael flynn and Mueller opens here with the stuff we already knew from volume two section two part b we're on part j right now this is part b uh, how Trump made positive public statements about Flynn all the time after Flynn's resignation, saying he was a wonderful man, fine person, very good boy. Ugh, um, I, he didn't say that. I oh, said okay. that. Good boy. <laughs> B-O-I. Uh, Mueller also mentioned that Trump sent private messages through intermediaries to Flynn, encouraging him to stay strong. But in late November 2017, after Flynn began cooperating with Mueller and withdrew from the joint defense agreement known as a JDA with the Trump uh, group, which that prompted John Dowd to leave Flynn's lawyer a voicemail. And Dowd is not named here, but we know it's him because since this report came out, the judge also released the audio of that voicemail. And this is the famous witness intimidation and pardon dangle voicemail. And Mueller doesn't publish the entire text of the voicemail, but instead puts out what he thinks is important to his investigation. And it says in the Mueller report, I understand your situation, but let me see if I can't state it in starker terms. It wouldn't surprise me if you've gone on to make a deal with the government. If there's information that implicates the president, then we've got a national security issue. So, you know, we need some kind of heads up um, just for the sake of protecting all our interests if we can. Remember what we've always said about the president and his feelings towards Flynn, and that still remains. Like, keep it up, buddy? <clears throat> Those oh, being yeah. the feelings? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A deal with the government. Why in my head do I imagine him saying it like a deal with the devil? Like, yeah. It's just the worst thing. Yeah. That's also yeah. such a weird way to phrase that when you're representing the president of the United States. <laughs> totally. Yeah, the whole thing is just strange. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, let me put this in starker terms for you, see? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, should be, it should be read in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah listen, sleeping see? with the fishes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of you don't want to take a walk off a short thing. Nice thing. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, what's left out here is inconsequential, although a lot of uh, Republicans and Trump supporters were like, oh, he he didn't put the whole statement in there. But the only thing that's missing is when he says who he is in the beginning. Hey, this is John. Uh, I, uh, I let me put this in starker terms for you. And then he repeats the thing about national security a couple of times. And, and, and Mueller only puts it in here once because it gets the idea across. And then at the end, he's like, OK, thanks. Bye, buddy. See you, pal. <laughs> and that he left that out, too. Um, so the the. the the meat is still there, but we've we've heard the voicemail. We've actually got the audio. Uh, of course, we know the next day Flynn's lawyer called Dowd and said, we can't give you anything. Uh, we're no longer in the joint defense agreement. And that made Dowd mad and made angry with <laughs> you. This little droopy dog face. And, and he threatened Flynn's lawyer by saying he was going to tell Trump. I'm going to tell Trump that Flynn was being hostile towards Trump. And that you might want to reconsider that because Flynn wouldn't want me to tell the president. By cooperating, they're yeah. saying he's being hostile. Yeah, by, by not sharing what they're telling mm-hmm. the special counsel. And on December 1st, 2017, Flynn, 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 <laughs> Flynn guilty. May as well be. Same name. Uh, to making <laughs> false statements pursuant to a cooperation agreement. Remember this? And the next day, Trump told the press... Uh, He was not concerned about what Flynn might tell the special counsel. In response to a question about whether the president still stood behind Flynn, Trump responded, we'll see what happens. (laughs) That right there. 
Uh, so over the next several days, Trump made public statements expressing sympathy for Flynn and indicating he'd not been treated fairly. And a couple weeks later, on December 15th, the president responded to a press inquiry about whether he was considering a pardon for Flynn by saying, I don't want to talk about pardons for Flynn yet. We'll see what happens. Let's see. I can say this. When you look at what's gone on with the FBI and with the Justice Department, people are very, very angry. Um <laughs> On page 122, yes, we're very angry. Yeah, which people? And you don't want to see me angry. Um, it's just ridiculous. Uh, page 122, Trump's conduct towards Manafort. Uh, as we know, October 27th, 2017, Manafort and Gates were indicted on multiple felony counts. And five months later in February, a grand jury added a bunch of superseding indictments for both of them. Uh, and a month before those superseding indictments came out, Manafort told Gates he talked to the president's lawyers and they were going to take care of us. I didn't know this until I read the report. That's according to Gates' 302 as part of his cooperation. Manafort also told Gates it was stupid to plead because they'd be taken care of by the president. Pardon. Yep. Gates asked Manafort outright if anyone mentioned pardons, and Manafort said, no one used that word. <laughs> Obviously. Because apparently never said, we're not complete idiots here. <laughs> I never said fire. Yeah. So uh, Rob Porter recalled Trump telling him he never liked Manafort and discussed with aides uh, whether and in what way Manafort might be cooperating with special counsel and if Manafort knew any information that would be harmful to the president. So that's huge. And that's according to Porter and McGahn hmm. and their 302s. But, uh, but in public, Trump criticized the prosecution and said Manafort was being treated unfairly. On June 15th, 2018, before a scheduled court hearing on whether Manafort's bail should be revoked based on new charges, that this third, second superseding indictment, third set of charges that Manafort had tampered with witnesses while on bail, the president told the press, I feel badly about a lot of them because I think a lot of it is very unfair. I mean, I look at some of them where they go back 12 years like Manafort had nothing to do with our campaign. But I feel so, I tell you, I feel a little badly about it. They went back 12 years to get the things that he did 12 years ago. I feel badly for some people because they've gone back 12 years to find things about somebody. And I don't think it's right. Oh, I get it. Key word for people and somebody is me. Like <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 12 years, 12 years, 12 years, 12 years. <laughs> Mm. 12 years of shade he's like a mad yeah lib, and you know? what do you mean 12 years like the whole Deripaska thing happened very recently mm. all of their yacht party shit <laughs> I think it was like his tax stuff I don't know if it was 12 years old though but they connected it all to the money laundering yeah mm -hmm. from like 2008 when uh, Trump was working for Yanukovych right uh, so I think when Manafort kinda, yeah, yeah yeah no I know that's what he's referencing but then there's still like all the Kalimnik stuff and stuff that's very relevant to your campaign yeah he just left that out yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in response to a question Even about... Even though I know that that's not, like, yeah, what the charges were about. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's, yeah, that that's what Trump was focused on. These these crimes took place 12 years ago. I wasn't even running for president then. I wasn't even born. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and, and it's just dumb. But in response to a question about whether he was considering a pardon for Manafort or other individuals involved in Mueller's investigation, Trump said, I don't want to talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about that. But look... I don't want to see people treated fairly. I do want to see people treated fairly. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. <laughs> so hours later, Manafort's bail was revoked and the president tweeted, wow, what a tough sentence for Manafort, who has represented Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many other top political people and campaigns. Didn't know Manafort was the head of the mob. What about mm -hmm. Comey and Crooked Hillary and all the others? Very unfair. Oh, my God. Immediately following the revocation of Manafort's bail, Kaludi Rudy Giuliani gave a series of interviews where he raised the possibility of a pardon for Manafort. <laughs> Giuliani told the New York Daily News that 
when this whole thing is over, uh, this, the things might get cleared up with some presidential pardons. He actually said that. <laughs> Giuliani, Giuliani also said in an interview that although the president should not pardon anyone while the special counsel's investigation was ongoing, he said when the investigation is concluded, he's kind of on his own, right? Uh, so in a CNN interview two days later, Giuliani said, I guess I should clarify this once and for all. The president has issued no pardons in this investigation. The president is not going to issue pardons in this investigation when he got yelled at when it's <laughs> over. Hey, he's the president of the United States. He retains pardon power. Nobody's taken that away from him. So he's still mm-hmm. colludy. Yep. So Giuliani rejected the suggestion uh, that his and the president's comments could signal to the defendants that they should not cooperate in a criminal prosecution because the pardon might follow, saying the comments were certainly not intended that way. Giuliani said the comments only acknowledged that an individual involved in the investigation would not be excluded from a pardon. In fact, if the president and his advisors come to the conclusion that you have been treated unfairly, which is what they said with their mouths (laughs) uh, to the public. Giuliani observed that the pardons were not unusual in political investigations and said that doesn't mean they're going to happen. Doesn't mean that anyone should rely on it. Big signal is nobody's been pardoned yet. Yeah, that's the big signal. So on July 31st, 2018, Manafort's trial began in the Eastern District of Virginia. And the next day, the president tweeted, this is terrible situation. Attorney General Jeff Sessions should stop this rigged witch hunt right now before it continues to stain our country any further. Bob Mueller is totally conflicted and his 17 angry Democrats that are doing his dirty work are a disgrace to the USA. And minutes later, the president tweeted, Paul Manafort worked for Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many other highly prominent and respected political leaders. He worked for me for a very short time. Why didn't the government tell me he was under investigation? These old charges have nothing to do with collusion. A hoax. Hmm. So later in that day, the president tweeted, looking back on history, who was treated worse? Al Capone, legendary mob boss, killer and public enemy number one, or Paul Manafort, political operative and Reagan Dole (laughs) darling, now serving solitary confinement, although convicted of nothing? Where's the Russian collusion? The president's tweets about Manafort were widely covered by the press, obviously, Um, not that they needed to be. And when asked about the president's tweets, uh, Huckabee Sanders told the press, certainly the president's been clear. He thinks Paul Manafort's been treated unfairly. So on August 16th... Also, Al Cap- what was it? Al Capone? Yeah, mm-hmm. Al Capone. Treated way worse than Manafort. <laughs> well, although I'm pretty sure he got to have, like, bougie cells and stuff sometimes. But still, in terms of getting what he deserved in terms of being imprisoned... Oh, totally. He got that eventually. And he died of syphilis, if I'm not mistaken, right? Same guy? Uh, I don't think it was syphilis. I think it was gonorrhea. Okay. No, it was syphilis. Gonorrhea is see, like a pun. <laughs> we did see uh, his cell, though. When yeah, we went at the Eastern visited. State Penitentiary. Yeah, and it, was, it did honestly look like something my mother would decorate. Yeah. In, the, in the best way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Best way. yeah. He, had a, he had a sweet cell. He really did. <laughs> but nowadays, no one has cells like that anymore. That was back then, and this is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Everybody will live in pain. Except <laughs> except when they <laughs> except when they tried to put Manafort in Rikers. Yeah. And the DOJ yeah, was like, nah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we just like let that go, I guess. We can't yeah. do shit about it. Yeah, and then, of course, mm-hmm. there was Epstein's terrible jail sentence that he had to serve 12 hours at a all, time. All 12 hours. <laughs> While getting to spend the rest of the time in his office in his mansion. Having oh, I thought you meant being alive broke. for only 12 hours. But oh, no, that was too. Like a joke. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> so then on August 16th, uh, 2018, the Manafort case was submitted to the jury. Deliberations began, and at that time, Giuliani had recently suggested to reporters that Mueller's investigation needed to be done in the next two or three weeks, and media stories reported that a Manafort acquittal would add criticism that the special counsel investigation was not worth time and expense, whereas a conviction would show that ending the investigation would be premature. 
Uh, as the jury deliberation in the Manafort trial continued in an impromptu exchange with reporters that lasted about five minutes, the president twice called the special counsel's investigation a rigged witch hunt, then asked whether he would pardon Manafort. When he was asked if he would pardon Manafort if he was convicted, the president said, I don't talk about that now. I don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great? It sounds like someone sat him down and was like, "We don't talk about this, Donald." <laughs> Don, I don't talk Shut about the that. fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> it sounds like a weird song lyric. I don't talk about that now. I don't oh, talk yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. What was the one earlier I was thinking of? Uh, oh, it's not unusual. Oh, you mentioned not that unusual line. To <laughs> by anyone. I don't talk about that now. I don't talk about that. Do, 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 do. Um, the president then added, without being asked. Uh, He said, I think the whole Manafort trial is very sad when you look at what's going on there. I think it's a very sad day for our country. He worked for me for a very short period of time. But you know what? He happens to be a very good person. And I think it's very sad what they've done to Paul Manafort. Someone who slipped through the cracks for years (laughs) and now has been brought to light as the criminal that they are because of their association with your potentially criminal behavior is Mm -hmm. not a sad story. That is not sad. sad. Jordan, it's so sad for him. Yeah, sadness is very subjective, I suppose. (laughs) or Polly <laughs> really pushing it. Yeah, the only thing that's sad is that we can't do that to all white collar criminals because it's such an underfunded section of the FBI yes. that they can't freaking stay on top of these fuckers. True. High five across mm-hmm. the table. Yeah. Um, the president did not take further questions after that. In response to the president's statements, Manafort's attorney said, Mr. Manafort really appreciates the support of President Trump. Then a few days later, Manafort was found guilty on eight counts and Cohen pleaded guilty to eight counts, including campaign finance felonies that he said Trump directed. So that all happened on August 21st. Good day. Mm-hmm. Was there like a Sesame Street episode about eight counts? Like the <laughs> yeah. number of the day? <laughs> eight. One, oh my God. Two. If every courtroom had that guy, that would be, that would be so good. Today is brought to you by number eight. Oh, it's amazing. Eight felony counts. <laughs> I can't do the Cookie Monster for too that's long. That's pretty good. It was Count Dracula, but I like how you yeah, made a cookie monster you're <laughs> like i'm just doing it yeah well i had that uh, sesame street phone and and cookie monster was nine oh, nine yeah. Yeah. that's cute <laughs> yeah. um but yeah eight hitler cookie eight monster felony nine, counts. Nine. Uh, 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 uh. no there's have you seen that was it you that showed me that video of the cookie monster nine versus yeah. cookie monster oh i gotta nine. see that <laughs> Ish to blush. nine <laughs> just, okay everybody right now stop google <laughs> Rammstein versus Cookie Monster. You won't be sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not a Nazi Cookie Monster thing. No, right? no, okay. no, 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 Rammstein's no, no. an old it's industrial a band. band. The band, band right? Too, yeah, like yeah. Knights yeah. Reb or Einstein Sunday Neubauten or Front 242, just all that old. Uh, oh. uh, hey, what's up, people that are 45 or so? Um, <laughs> I hear they're good, though. That's who I would dance to. <laughs> they're sweaty. That's for they sure. They are sweaty. Very intense. <laughs> yeah, the music's like... Guns, fire, nine. And Pankow, life. Yeah, just it's good stuff <laughs> if you're into that. Uh, anyway, mm, back to <laughs> politics. <laughs> so the president reacted to Manafort's convictions uh, that day by telling reporters, Paul Manafort's a good man. He just was convicted. Uh, <laughs> it's a very sad thing that happened, the law. Uh, <laughs> Trump again described the special counsel's investigation as a witch hunt that ends in disgrace. Uh, the next day, the president tweeted, I feel very badly for Paul Manafort and his wonderful family. Justice, in quotes, took a 12-year-old tax case, among other things, applied tremendous pressure on him, and unlike Michael Cohen, he refused to break. Made up stories in order to get a deal. Such a brave man. Mm. 
And in a Fox News interview on August 22nd, the president said, Cohen makes a better deal when he uses me like everybody else. And one of the reasons I respect Paul Manafort so much is he went through that trial. You know, they make up stories. People make up stories. The whole thing is about flipping, they call it. I know about flipping. The president said that flipping was not fair and almost ought to be outlawed. Uh, in response to a question uh, about whether he was considering a pardon for Manafort, again, they keep asking him. The president said, I have great respect for what he's done in terms of what he's gone through. He worked for many, many people, many, many years, many years. And I would say what he did. I'm reading this word for word. Some of the charges they threw against him, very consultant, very every lobby. Oh, every lobbyist, every consultant in Washington probably does. So then Giuliani told well, then Dr- fix that. Yeah. They shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> right? <laughs> if your friends lobbied off a cliff, would you? Yeah. <laughs> Gi- Donald, we don't do that. We don't talk about <laughs> Donald. I don't do that. I don't talk about it. <laughs> Donald. <laughs> show me on the doll where Mueller hurt you. Yeah, where's his mom? Where was his mom, I guess, is the yeah. question. Yeah. He needs a good mother. Mm. I mean, I I want to say maybe she was the voice of reason. I just like didn't want to deal with his shitty dad because we know for a fact maybe he his can borrow Pence's wife, mother. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything about his mom actually. Exactly, I see stuff about a shitty dad, but I've never really seen anything about his mom. I've could seen be like photos Tiffany. of her because she has a a whipped up looking cotton candy hairdo <laughs> as well. Dorothy, I think her oh, name that's is. Adorable. So he was just born like that. Yeah, I think he's just born that way. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Yeah, yep. yeah, Gaga born this for way. sure. <laughs> so uh, then uh, Rudy, Rudy, Kaludi, Rudy told journalists the president really thinks Manafort has been horribly treated, and he and the president had discussed the political fallout of the president pardon Manafort. They discussed to pardon. So Giuliani let everybody know that. The next day, Giuliani told Washington Post that the president had asked his lawyers for advice on the possibility of a pardon for Manafort and other aides and had been counseled against considering a pardon until the investigation concluded. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, uh, like, I don't understand that the end of the investigation would make a pardon okay. I guess because you'd be obstructing the investigation if you pardon during. That would be another obstruction of justice charge. Yeah. Or can you pardon someone that hasn't been convicted? Yeah, you can pardon them for future crimes or something. They're like, look, I let your witch hunt, you know, go to a complete, you know, (laughs) full investigation. Now I'm ending it. I can see him using that argument. Totally. That's crazy to be pardoned for future crimes. Yeah, I think that's That's what Ford did for Nixon. Yeah, that's like getting that thing in Mario Kart when you're invincible. (laughs) (laughs) You just get to go around just like fucking blasting everything in your path. Boy? <laughs> yeah, just with no. You fall off a cliff and you just like swirl back up to the real world. I played Mario Kart, but I did play uh, Mario Brothers. Oh, nice, nice. I Mario like Mario Kart's Party. Really fun. Yeah, well, they're all know, fun. Know, oh, is Mario Party the well? And we Mario Party yeah. is fun. Yeah. yeah, I have played Mario Party. Oh, we all gotta play. On September fourteenth. 2018, Manafort pleaded guilty to charges in the District of Columbia and signed a plea agreement that required him to cooperate with investigators. This was his other case. Giuliani was reported to have publicly said, and you know what I think, and this is super space beans, but I think, you remember how he, like, they were trying to get him to consolidate his cases into one case, and he's like, no, keep them separated. Oh. (laughs) And... And I was like, why the fuck would you do that? And I have to go through two trials. You have to have two. It's so expensive. But what if he was going to plead not guilty in one so he could get that angle for the pardon and plead guilty in the other so he could get information to Trump? Like, that's, I feel like that might be a, that's a theory. You also just put me on this, like, weird, uh, like, wormhole in my head about the offspring, the band you just referenced. Because now I'm thinking about all the ice references because they're called the offspring and they have the song the kids are not all right mm-hmm. or the kids aren't all right and then gotta keep them separated. I'm like, oh my God, am I just like still high right now or are they like prophetic? 
Yeah. There's only three song references I can think of there. That's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I look at the whole thing, I'm sure I can make all kinds of connections to the offspring and ice. Let's get a mashup. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I just that just occurred to me, two separate trials, and he wanted that. He asked for that, and he pleaded not guilty in one and guilty in the other. And Giuliani was reported to have publicly said Manafort remained in a joint defense agreement with the president following his guilty plea and agreement to cooperate, and that Manafort's attorneys regularly briefed the president's lawyers on t- the topics discussed that you know between special counsel and Manafort and the information Manafort provided in the interviews. Hmm. Um, and then on November 26, special counsel 2018, special counsel's office disclosed in a public court filing that Manafort had breached his plea agreement by lying uh, about multiple subjects on multiple occasions. And the next day, Giuliani said, but by then he might have gotten all this information to Trump, right? So maybe he, he was planned to have two separate trials, not guilty in one, see what happened, guilty in the other, feed all the information in the joint defense agreement to Trump and Trump's attorneys, and then blow up his, breach his plea agreement. Yeah, just like playing blackjack. Hoping for a pardon. (laughs) Splitting his hand. Yeah, hit me. Yeah, split aces. Uh, The next day, Giuliani said uh, that the president had been upset for weeks about what he considered to be the un-American horrible treatment of Manafort. Uh, In an interview on November 28th, 2018, Trump suggested it was very brave of Manafort because he didn't flip. Uh, If you told the truth, you go to jail. You know this flipping stuff is terrible. You flip and you lie and you get the prosecutors will tell you 99% of the time they can get people to flip. It's rare that they can't, but I had three people, Manafort, Corsi, I don't know Corsi, but he refuses to say what they demanded. Manafort, Corsi, and redacted. It's actually very brave. And that redacted bit is probably stone. And when Trump was asked about a pardon for Manafort, again, he said it was never discussed, but I wouldn't take it off the table. Why would I take it off the table? So now he's saying it's on the table. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't Manafort get charged with lying? <clears throat> yeah. So that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, his, his breach of plea. Right. Well, the yeah. irony in him saying that uh, Cohen was the one that was lying, and then here we are, someone who's actually on record as a liar. Yeah. <laughs> so is Cohen. It's lying, liars, lying. They're all fucking liars. Um, then we get to subsection three on page 128. This entire section is fully redacted and likely contains Trump's treatment of Roger Stone and how he pleaded not guilty and was strong and brave for not flipping on Trump. That's why I think it was Stone when he's like, oh, he didn't flip. He was very brave because Stone did the same thing. Stone ple- pleaded not guilty and was and Trump has said things along those lines about Stone being brave and strong and a good man. <laughs> he's um, just so none of those things. I know. Um, not one single sentence is left unredacted in this section, and it's all harm to an ongoing matter. I think it's pretty clear what's under there. Mm-hmm. Who's under where's under there? <laughs> Stones. Uh, so we'll be right back with the analysis of this section on page 131, so stick around. Hiring a great employee can be really, really time-consuming. You have to put the announcement on 100 websites. You have to review hundreds of resumes. You have to match your qualifications to the position that you're filling. But no more. There is a one-stop shop for all your hiring needs, and it's ZipRecruiter.com AG. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards for you. But they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you don't end up with a zillion resumes from candidates that don't match your experience requirements. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top 10 applicants so you never miss a great candidate. And it's so effective that four out of five employers who use ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Uh, right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com AG. That's ZipRecruiter.com AG. One last time, ZipRecruiter.com AG. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
All right, welcome back. Let's hit the analysis of Section J, as in John, on page 131. And let's begin with the obstructive act, as we always do. We don't want... I I think the reason we don't mix these up, and Jordan, it has something to do with what you're saying, the obstructive act begs the nexus, which begs the intent. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of the order, and that's why he put him in this order. Very smart. Smart fella. (laughs) See? So uh, the president's actions towards witnesses in the special counsel investigation would qualify as obstructive if they had the natural tendency to prevent particular witnesses from testifying truthfully or otherwise would have the probable effect of influencing, delaying or preventing their testimony to law enforcement. So he defines that. And with regards to Flynn, the president sent private and public messages to Flynn, encouraging him to stay strong and conveying that the president still cared about him. (laughs) I still care. She thinks I still care. I don't I watched Swingers the other night. Sorry. Um, so he did that before he began, before Flynn began to cooperate with the government. When Flynn's attorneys withdrew him from the joint defense agreement with the president, signaling Flynn was potentially cooperating with the government, Trump's personal counsel initially reminded Flynn's counsel of the president's warm feelings towards <laughs> Flynn and said that still remains. But when Flynn's counsel re- <laughs> when Flynn's counsel reiterated that Flynn could no longer share information under a joint defense agreement the personal counsel stated that decision would be interpreted as reflecting flynn's hostility toward i'm going to tell on you basically and that sequence of events could have had the potential to affect flynn's decision to cooperate as well as the extent uh, of that cooperation because of privilege issues however we could not determine whether the president was personally involved in or knew about the specific message his counsel delivered to Flynn's counsel. So basically, we can't check off the Flynn obstructive act box because we can't prove because of privilege. Uh, and this is one of those things where, where Mueller was like, people didn't cooperate. They plead the, the fifth. They invoked privilege. This is one of those instances mm-hmm. because of privilege. They couldn't determine that Trump knew about the message, mm-hmm. that voicemail that Dowd left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that privilege saves him. Mm-hmm. It did. So the joint defense agreement was the reason why Flynn's lawyer said they couldn't hand over documents to Trump because it would implicate the other folks that were involved in the joint defense agreement? Well, when Flynn pulled out of the joint defense agreement... And was cooperating with the government. Mm-hmm. That's why Flynn couldn't give any information to Trump uh, okay. because they're no longer in the joint defense agreement because we're cooperating now and we can't tell you anything. Got it. Uh, and and so when Dowd left that voicemail, basically threatening, you know, you don't want me to tell on you. Yeah. And, yeah, let me put this in starker terms. We need to know what's going on. You have to tell us what you're telling him. And he's like, I can't tell you. It's We aren't in a joint defense agreement anymore. We're cooperating with the government. That's part of the cooperation deal. Who was he in the joint defense agreement with? Sorry, I'm blanking and Trump. forgetting. Oh, yeah, okay. Trump, Manafort, Flynn, all those fuckers got were it, all it, in a joint it. defense agreement. Okay, got it. So long ago. Yep, long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, because of the, the, the they couldn't prove, uh, because first of all, they didn't interview Trump. And second of all, because of, you know, Lying liars. Um, privilege. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't prove that Trump knew that Dowd left that voicemail mm-hmm. for Flynn's lawyer. I'm yeah. sure he did, but they they don't have that evidence, so we can't check the box for this, for Flynn, for obstructive acts. But Manafort, on the other hand, Mueller reiterates all the things Trump had said to the public throughout his indictment, Manafort's indictment, his trial, his conviction, his guilty plea, his plea agreement, his breach of his plea agreement. Uh, and we've already covered that in detail. And then Mueller says there is evidence the president's actions had the potential to influence Manafort's decision whether to cooperate with the government or not. Mueller then says the president's public statements during the Manafort trial also had the potential to influence the trial jury. 
On the second day of trial, for example, the president called the prosecution a terrible situation and a hoax, and that continues to stain our country, and referred to Manafort as a Reagan Dole darling who was serving solitary confinement, even though he was convicted of nothing. And those statements were widely picked up by the press. While jurors were instructed not to watch or read the news stories about the case and presumed to follow those instructions, the president's statements during the trial generated substantial media coverage that could have reached jurors if they happened to see the statements or learn about them from others. And the president's statements during jury deliberations that Manafort happens to be a very good person and it's very sad what they've done to him had the potential to influence jurors who learned of the statements, which the president made uh, just as jurors were considering whether or not to convict or acquit him. So because Manafort had a trial and there was a jury, now you're talking obstruction of justice or obstructive act. Damn, changes the game. And then Mueller addresses the Stone stuff, but that's all redacted. And I particularly think it would uh, influence the Stone stuff because Stone is going to trial. And so that is same along the lines of Manafort. Mm -hmm. But Flynn, not so much. Flynn didn't have a trial. And we couldn't prove that that voicemail was left, that dangling pardon voicemail that Trump knew about it. So uh, check the boxes for obstructive act for Manafort for sure. Stone, I think. But that's Mm -hmm. all redacted. Then we're on to the nexus to a proceeding, and Mueller concludes that the president's actions toward Flynn, Manafort, and redacted Stone appear to have been connected to an official proceeding for all three dudes. So check that box Mm -hmm. on the nexus for all three. And then on to intent. Mueller says evidence concerning the president's intent related to Flynn is inconclusive. As previously noted, because of privilege, we do not have evidence establishing whether the president knew about or was involved in those communications with Flynn's counsel from Dowd. Seems like if Dowd didn't tell his client that he was doing that, that that, he'd be disbarred for that. But it seems like a big ethical problem. (laughs) You have a whole administration. (laughs) Uh, Evidence concerning the conduct towards Manafort does indicate Trump intended to encourage Manafort not to cooperate with the government. Uh, Before Manafort was convicted, the president repeatedly stated that Manafort uh, had been treated unfairly. One day after Manafort was convicted on eight felony charges and potentially faced a lengthy prison term, the president said that Manafort was a brave man for refusing to break and that flipping almost ought to be outlawed. (laughs) And at the same time, although the president had privately told aides he didn't like Manafort, he publicly called Manafort a good man and said he had a wonderful family. And when the president was asked whether he was considering a pardon, the president did not respond directly and instead said he had great respect for what Manafort's done and in terms of what he's gone through. Uh, The president added some of the charges they threw against him, every consultant, every lobbyist in Washington probably does. In light of the the president's counsel's previous statements uh, that the investigations might get cleaned up with some pardons and that a pardon would be possible if the president comes to the conclusion you've been treated unfairly, the evidence supports the inference that the president intended Manafort to believe he could get a pardon, which would make cooperation with the government unnecessary. So here's Mueller telling us flat out they dangled a pardon. <clears throat> that could influence Manafort. That is the show that proves intent. Yeah. Right. Uh, Mueller then addresses Manafort's intent in making public statements about him during his trial and says that some evidence shows he intended to influence the jury. So here we are back on the jury. But there are alternative explanations for his statements, including he might have genuinely felt bad for Polly Walnuts. Uh, And even though that's inconclusive, Mueller seems to indicate there is evidence of intent to stop Manafort from cooperating. So that alone would appear to check the intent box for Manafort. Then, of course, we have the redacted part about Stone. So in summary, uh, the president's conduct toward Manafort checks all three boxes. His conduct toward Flynn checks the nexus box, but not the obstructive act or intent. And we don't know about Stone, honestly. I think it might check, I think it probably checks at least one box. I think it checks the nexus. I don't know about intent or uh, obstructive act. Um, And, you know, 
this is why we know we don't know about Stone, and that's why the House Dems have petitioned the court to get the unredacted report, the stuff about Stone in here, probably one of the things that they want to see, and all the underlying evidence along with the grand jury material so they can make determinations on obstruction for the redacted stuff like this. And once the trial is over and the impeachment hearings begin, I assume we will get the answer to whether the president's conduct towards Stone amounted to obstruction of justice. Um, like I said, based on the analysis of the evidence, I assume it will, um, as Trump's statement about Stone could have influenced the jury but the obstructive act criteria seems up in the air to me. Um, But the intent on the stone stuff is clear Mm -hmm. to me, at least, I'm guessing. Uh, We should tell you, if you're listening to 20 years from now, that since our last installment of this series, since Part 16, the House Dems have decided to vote on Judiciary Committee rules that match that of the Nixon impeachment. And we're about to begin full-blown impeachment hearings. Although we have not voted on a resolution to open an impeachment inquiry. But during Watergate, they didn't take that step until after five months of of having hearings. So Mm. that might be where we're at. So that's Part 17. How do you feel? Ooh. Good, yeah, yeah. A lot of information, even though we we have talked about so much of it, it still feels so heavy. Yeah, and there's there's and, just some stuff in here that we hadn't that it wasn't publicly reported, like Manafort telling Gates, "Don't plead, man. We're going to get pardoned," or but no, don't use the word pardon. Right, right. We hadn't heard about that. That yeah, wasn't publicly yeah, reported, or if it was, we missed it. <laughs> Um, so join us next week for part 18, sections K and L, pages 134 to 158. Those are the final two sections before we get to section three and four, the legal defenses and the conclusions, along with the back matter, um, which is, you know, all the appendices. Um, uh, before back we- matter. <laughs> I thought about That's that too, term. yeah. <laughs> back matter. Yeah. Uh, any final mm, thoughts? I'm a um, front matter person myself, I think. <laughs> <laughs> No, not really. No, no, it's all pretty straightforward, isn't yeah. it? He covers everything pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify, um, how many more Mueller reports do you think we'll, we'll do? Because some people have been requesting we go back to the book reports. They have like a lot of uh, suggestions. I think we have three more to go. 18, 19, 20. Nice. I think we have three more to go, but we may be able to get the last two um, with... Um, sections three, four, and the the conclusions along with the back matter, we may be able to get those all into one episode. So we might be able to get get it done in two episodes, but three at the most. Nice, nice. I'm enjoying the ride, but yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of suggestions out there. Like so many books that have yeah, come out. I, yeah, I want to do prove a conspiracy next. Sweet, um, to be honest. Um, and then, but you know, we also uh, want to release to the public, uh, which was only previously released to patrons, our uh, coverage of the threat by Andrew McCabe, mm-hmm. because that is a very pertinent and, and relevant story. Yeah, it's um, a good one. In these times. And, mm-hmm. and that could take uh, seven episodes. To, mm-hmm. It will take seven episodes because that's how many we recorded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're not a patron and you want early access to all this and ad free daily beans and stuff like that, <clears throat> you can sign up at patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote or patreon.com slash the daily beans. It's pretty fun. <laughs> I like it. I like it, too. I love the Facebook group. Yeah, we have a huge Facebook group, very cool community. We do the Fantasy Indictment League there, and we also play it on, on Patreon, if, in case you're not a Facebook person. Which is fair, but the group makes me like Facebook, like the people. It's it's the main reason I'm there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, same. Honestly. Um, but the, the network of people is just absolutely outstanding. If you've ever been to a live show, you know what it's like to be among mm-hmm. Pep uh, Rally. <laughs> our community, and it's just one of the coolest. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Um, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and take care of the planet. I've been A.G. I've been Julissa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. 
fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Feds favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond, plus sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. M-S-W Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.